Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey Greasters, I hope you had an okay week. Um, This is a pretty big episode. It's episode 100. And as you know, numbers shouldn't matter, but they do. I honestly never thought we'd get here, so I'm kind of amazed. And I want to say a huge thank you to you. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you, not those guys. You. You for listening, because I would not be able to do this show without you. And I would not have learned so much about my grief and all sorts of amazing people that I've met along the way who have helped me and hopefully helped you along the way. So thank you so much if you have listened or tweeted about it or told a friend about it or left us a lovely review. Genuinely thank you. Um, We haven't got a letter from the Queen yet, but I assume... I guess she's going to wait till we're dead, but that's not how it works is it Carrie? you've turned 100 we should have a damn letter from the queen um anyway thank you so much thank you to celebrate episode 100 our guest this week is a very special lady she is the incredible broadcaster writer podcaster fee glover Fee has worked on all sorts of radio programmes. She's worked on BBC Five Live, she's worked on Radio 4, she's to host Saturday Live, she's the host of The Listening Project, and she's also the host of the very, very excellent Fortunately podcast, which she co-hosts with Jane Garvey, and I cannot recommend it enough, as I say a lot of weeks. It is a really, really lovely podcast, genuinely charming 
funny and interesting. So if you're looking for a new one, I would recommend that. Fee came in to talk to me about her dad, who died 15 years ago. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here today with broadcaster Fee Glover. Hello. Hello. Your voice is so nice. <laughs> like, as soon as you talk, I feel like, <sighs> like, it's really, it's a great voice, Fee. Do you want me to say some really offensive things <laughs> so that you don't think it's, it's just like, awful, isn't horrible. That weird? You could just say anything that's happening now. And we still, we still I could. Like, I could just read yeah. all of the front pages. Yeah, you could just oh, say Parliament's been broke. It would be like, oh, I'm going to be all right. Yeah. Um, do you think your voice has got better because you've done so much broadcasting? Or do you think it was it was just always a really nice voice? Well, I don't think it was. Uh, I never thought, oh, my goodness, I've got a great yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah. You know, I must, uh, I must milk this <laughs> for my mortgage. But I think there's something about women having deep voices, which yeah. is more appealing than women having high voices. And in fact, somebody contacted me once to say they were writing a PhD on that very subject. Wow. And would I like to participate? And of course, the gag goes, I said, no! <laughs> Thank you. That's good. That's a very good gag. I didn't see it coming. I thought it was good for you. Um, uh, so, but I think I I smoked a lot. Same. Lot. Same. Yeah. A lot. And I, it dev, because my voice is high ish, but the smoking took it down. Yeah. Not to promote it in any way. No, of course but not. I smoked. How much did you, were you on a day? So I started smoking and kids, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Cause you well, just, they're all vaping now. Well, they're all vaping. And if, do you know what? Vaping shocker, not good for your lungs know, collapse. Well, I, who thought that putting perfumed liquid into your lungs at a very high temperature if might cause smoker, some distress? As soon as you saw that vape, you were like, that's the same shit, guys. Yes. Like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that is not okay. I know bad smoking when I see it. Yeah, and also because yeah. of the puffs. I, I mean, the amount of puff that's coming out of oh, that stuff. It's not good. Yeah. Not, but yes, so started... I smoked, I started really, really young, like 13. I was 14. Oh, well yeah. done, baby. I mean, it was so powerful. You're, you're, you're quite a bit younger than me. I think you were about 10 years younger than me. <laughs> but it was so, it was still so ridiculously cool, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, oh my God. In our youth. I it wanted to be was. Audrey Hepburn. Yep. That's Everyone exactly. was still smoking. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it isn't cool anymore, which is great. And also we grew up when you could smoke anywhere. So yes. you didn't you have know. to stand outside with the losers. No, exactly. Yeah. You just went, you know, just if you could get into the pub in the first place and then have a cigarette, you were basically a grown up. Yeah. Like. When I first came to London, which was when I was Seventeen, which is thirty-three years wow. ago, uh, you could still smoke on the buses and on the <gasps> tube. It was before the King's Cross fire. Oh my god! So you know you go down on the tube, and sometimes I do think about that now. I think how insane yeah. we were to think that that would never cause a problem. You know, cause a problem. Oh, it's or, mad. Or be bad for you. I know. My mum really. used to say there was smoking carriages on the tube. Yes. And said if you had bad luck, you know, you yeah. couldn't get a seat anywhere else. And she said it would open. And then this cloud would come out and you think, oh. And she sort of socially smoked, but she was like, it's st- it was really well, horrible. Well, I think even non-smokers socially smoked, didn't yeah. they? Because it was just all around them. God. I mean, you just couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. We had a, a kind of transcontinental uh, upbringing because my dad went to work in Hong Kong oh, right. when I was quite young. And we did these enormous trips, you know, back in the day. Nothing glamorous about it at all. And my mum was a vehement, always has been, anti-smoker. But quite often we'd get put at the row before oh, the smoking, smoking row started, yeah, yeah. which was basically like the smoking Yeah, room. yeah. And that sign that's still on planes. I know. And they're still smoke. making planes I that know. have the no smoking oh, yeah, sign. Take it, off. it would flick off and literally the whole 
whole of the back of the plane would light up yeah. and just chain smoke their way through a 24 hour flight with oh, four stopovers out to Hong Kong. My poor mum. You know, I do look back on it and just think we were just, we were. The, you know, there was death hiding in plain sight and we were all just yeah. going, I'm sure that's fine. <laughs> I'm sure that's fine. Which is what we do now because it's like, how do you survive as humans? Yeah. You sort of go, oh, probably be all right. <laughs> probably, I guess. If yeah. I had to cross this road, probably be okay. <laughs> I know. We, My mum's um, best friend still smokes and she is Danish and when we used to fly to Denmark, we had to sit and smoking to go and, yeah, see her, you know, they go for holidays together. And I remember even as a child thinking... God, it's a bit stinky in here. Yeah. Like, this is quite like, and again, they just used to pull the curtain across, didn't they? That'll do it. That'll what madness! Yeah. I know. And so you are also obviously very known for your broadcasting, but I should mention because this is a podcast, and now co-host of the incredibly successful, fortunately, podcast. Yeah, that crept up on us. Didn't it? <laughs> you will. It's like the joy of podcasts. Is it's just so. It's so nice to hear two people sort of just having a chat about this. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah, I love Fortunately so much. And I've had the privilege of going on Fortunately. Well, you were terrific. Well, I was very excited to be there. You made Jane and I feel... Well, actually, I can't. I should never speak for Jane. I should (laughs) never speak for Jane. You made me feel particularly thick, actually. (laughs) No, because you do that rare thing, and I'll fangirl you for a moment. But you did that rare thing where there are so many things that you could have talked about with us you know that <laughs> do you an opinion do. on everything <laughs> yeah no but but and you could have been uh you know kind of quite grand and you're, you're just not are you there's not no, there doesn't not seem to be grand. any all self-deprecating humble braggy type stuff yeah. going on so you were an absolute delight to oh, have on. i was when they asked me to go on it when you know it goes through your people I was like, ah, fortunately, oh my God, yes, yes, when? Like, I'll do any day they can. I was so excited. I was so excited. But, but it do was you know what? Bit... We've been really lucky with Fortunately because we arrived on the scene after the frontier people like you had done all the hard well, I didn't, work. I, I didn't, I'm also, I would say, I just got in perhaps, when did Fortunately start? So we started two years ago oh so yeah i yeah oh. so no you were because because i remember coming to the awards oh, ceremony the, the one awards. the yes, one where before. you won everything yes i do that remember one. that one yes that was very nice <laughs> i liked that one it was really fun <laughs> and we were in, and we had only just started and we'd been nominated in the listener award it was quite funny actually because they did this thing thank god they dropped it in subsequent years where they did the top 10 nominations oh, yes. yeah, in the yeah, listeners yeah. awards right at the beginning yeah and then they said like in family fortunes they said and take away Seven oh. of the wrong ones, yeah, leaving yeah, us yeah. with the three top ones. And this was right at the beginning of a two-hour ceremony on quite a hot night. <laughs> Off went fortunate. Oh, no! And I was there in the front row just thinking, oh, my God, this is excruciating. <laughs> it's excruciating. <laughs> and I've got to sit through another two Yeah, hours. and you've got to sit there. Uh, but, yeah, so we were very new and babyish then. And there was quite a feeling in the room of... Um, I don't know what to call it. It was, I mean, it was antipathy, I think, towards the BBC starting to do podcasts. I think, yeah, there was definitely a, a wariness of like, yeah. oh, I see. Oh, they big boys have rocked yeah, up. But now I think it coming. feels, yeah. you know, because podcasts, everybody does want to do them. And the joy of it is that you go, it, it's not, people think it's easy. It's like, oh, those, those idiots are doing it who don't have any backing behind them. So anyone can be doing it. And what you realise is, like, it doesn't matter who you are, you have to have a good podcast for it to be successful. Yes, so, content is fortunately, king. yeah, fortunately works because of you and Jane and the dynamic and 
your personalities and your experience. It doesn't work just because it's a BBC podcast. No, you know. no, but we have been lucky. I, you know, undoubtedly, yeah. undoubtedly, I would, I would say that. Well, it's a, a brilliant. I absolutely love it. If you haven't listened to it and you want some cheering up after a grief cast, <laughs> head to Fortunately. Because it's so nice. It's such a nice, comforting well, listen. It's very kind of you to say that. No, it's, a, it's about the reality of life, isn't it? Yeah, That's yeah. That's why we like it. Yes, we say it's not frothy. It's just, it's definitely, it's, it's always, it always makes me laugh. So obviously it's not, I'm not here to just tell you how much I love you. Um, as nice as that Thank is. you. That's I've enjoyed fun. that enormously. Um, who are we remembering today, V? We are remembering my dad. Your dad. What was his name? His name was William Henry Glover. I get teased for this all the time because I always love the names. <laughs> Every episode, someone tweeted me going, have you ever not loved the name? But that is a great name. <laughs> they always sound oh, so amazing. William him. Henry Cover. So he was always called Bill. He was oh, known as Bill. My granddad was yeah. Bill. I love oh, that Bill's name. Oh, Bill's are good, aren't it's they? It's so good. Yeah. They're always solid, nice, cheery people, I find. Yes, there are a couple. <laughs> yes, that's that true. slightly yeah. don't fit the Let bill. The yes. Uh, but yeah, so he died nearly 14 years ago. No. Oh, okay. Oh, so a long time ago. When was... That just to get my so that was 2005. 2005, thank you. Maths is not no that strong point. You say I can talk about anything <laughs> except maths, honestly. Okay. That's absolutely my yeah, my um kryptonite. So 2005, so and where what time of year? Like, so kind of this time of year, well, oh. a, a little bit further down the autumn, so you're coming line. up to your anniversary, yes. So he died in November, 2005. so you're coming up to 15 years, yes. How are you yeah. feeling about that? Oh, just so. So strange, actually. So dad is the first person who I absolutely loved, mm-hmm. who I've lost. Right, yeah, yeah. And it is just so true. And I know so many of your participants say the same thing. You don't understand grief through somebody else's experience no. of it or through someone else telling you about it or even loving someone else who's going through it. You only experience it, mm. you know, firsthand. So it amazes me that 15 years on... I still have just an enormous sense of loss. Yeah. It's extraordinary. You think it goes, and I wonder sometimes whether, you know, we're, we're told that grief changes, aren't we? Because otherwise you'd be unable to cope with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. If it stayed like that first year, yeah. you literally wouldn't, no one would work. But I think we talk about it so badly in our culture that we don't, we haven't really reassured people about the path it takes. So it's a weird one, isn't it? Mm. So 15 years on, yes, I still do just feel... uh, I mean, I think of him so often, and that's Mm. the other thing that catches me sometimes. You know, I think he's more in my thoughts now than he was when he was alive. (laughs) It's strange, It's really strange. It's really... And like you said, until you've experienced it, I think it's very hard to get your head round. Because I think if you haven't experienced grief, you think, oh, well, people die, and then you kind of move on, don't you? And you don't... But that's the same as, like, if you've never had your heart broken. Do you know what I mean? Like, you'd be like, well, you know, they don't want to go out with you anymore. And then, what, you get over it. It's like, and then when you're in it, 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 it you know, humans don't work like that. Yeah. You know, that's not how human. I also found, which I don't know, just me, I found the big numbers really difficult. So I found, like, five years, 10, 15, and 20, just for some unknown reason. And I was so cross about it, because I was like, why? Why? Why does it fucking... What is, you know, 19 to 20? Why should that matter? But I found 20 so much harder than 19, as in the years that he'd been dead. Because it just felt really significant somehow. And it feels really like... You can't help but do that human thing of looking back at what's happened. And the 19th anniversary, I remember finding, you know, sad, but 
okay. But 20, I was like, oh, like it just, like you said, was so raw again, that sense of loss and all the pain. And I was like, why is a number of... So do you why think that's our anniversary culture? Do you think that's just because we do... Yeah, I think as humans we look for patterns and I think there's something about those numbers that allows you a kind of review, isn't it? It's like, yes. you know, we all would say, well, gosh, we've been friends 10 years and what have we been through? The decade, you know, we like to look back at a nice, neat pattern. And I think somehow when it's a sort of neater number, you know, like I remember the 18th anniversary being like, oh, it's been 18 years. Oh, okay. Like, that's like almost a whole person and that's like an adult's life. But oh, I can't really think about it. But 20 was like fucking two decades. Like yes. It sort of made sense. Easy number. Yeah. Full force. So how old were you when your dad died? So I was 15. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I started so early. You can also, but also you can easily do the numbers on that, can't you? That's yes. unfortunate, yeah, isn't it, with it your is, poor maths? It is, especially my poor maths. But it has, yeah, definitely made it, like every time I've been not sure <laughs> I've always been like oh yeah god yeah it's very neat although I was about to turn 16 which I can't tell you how that throws the mass for me makes it quite difficult um what did what did he do what did Bill do oh so uh so my dad was originally in the army he wow. came from a family where everybody was in the oh. army he just went into the army and he didn't he did very well I mean I think he had a great time but he didn't want it to be his life so he um he left when he was in his early 30s and he sold life insurance. Oh, wow. He was a he was a man around town with a briefcase. Wow. Uh, and he did that for a couple of years. I think Dad was very charismatic. Mm. He had a real... You have to be to be a yeah. salesman. Yeah, yeah. He had a real twinkle in his eye and he was a really incredibly affable man, mm. really, really good fun to be around. So it was quite a natural fit for him and he did very well. Mm. He did very well. So he worked for Sun Alliance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he he lost his job. And I think, uh, I mean, this was around 1974, so everybody was losing their job. Yeah, it was really, yeah. really tough times. And he got offered a job in Hong Kong to go and work for one of the big finance companies over there doing the same thing. And he just embraced it. Wow. I mean, there just wasn't going to be any other yeah. work on the table around here. And he'd been born in India. Oh, right. Uh, wow. You know, his family had been yeah. stationed over there uh, in the army. So, you know, he had had a different kind of life, yeah. actually. And I think going abroad I'm not sure he really saw it as going abroad actually yeah 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 just, just going somewhere else somewhere and that's else. you know that's what you do so anyway he worked in finance all his life so did you grow up in Hong Kong for a bit? no not really we did go and live there for a while when he first moved over there but my mum didn't really like it mm. I mean it's a, it was a hard life for expat women mm. then I mean nobody had a job and oh, God, you know mum's yeah. quite a busy person and she loves all of those outdoor things yeah. and you know we were living in a block of flats and it drove her a bit bonkers I think actually so we came back and we did we did that thing which wasn't uncommon at the time at all where uh, you know dad just stayed working abroad I had a friend at school who did that yeah in and Hong he, Kong yeah he, yep he came back yeah you know during the summer and you know we didn't really bat an eyelid eyelid at it but it's, it's quite strange looking back on it now actually yeah it's quite, yeah. It's quite odd to have a a totally absent parent mm. for such... I mean, he never, you know, that that he never came back from Hong Kong oh, wow. in the time at which I was living at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was always over there. And so did that affect your relationship in a way? Did did it, like, make it 
closer because you missed him or was it more like... Yeah, it's got a good question. So I think now with the benefit of hindsight and being a mum myself, and my kids are relatively old now, mm. so I've got a teenager and a preen, I can recognise that there is a distance between you if you're not with your kids all the time yeah, so yeah. much of parenting yeah. and family it's like is, the day-to-day yeah detritus exactly isn't it it's yeah. just all the you know it's the yeah it's the it's just the fluff around mm-hmm. yeah you know all the big things but I never felt you know I don't feel distant from him but when he came back to this country after he had retired we had a really lovely relationship in the last kind of 10 years of his life. That's amazing life. that you didn't, that it yeah. hadn't sort of caused a rift in any way and it had, and you were able to sort of find that. That's well, lovely. I think part of it was just because it was such an accepted thing for him to have done. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think because he wasn't with his parents very much when he was young, yeah, you know, those, those stationed all over the place. And, you know, I think it was just, he kind of, in a sense, he knew how to to do it yeah yeah so we weren't sold this thing of you know somehow oh, you're missing you. out yeah you know it was just it was just accepted that you know that's that's what we did but definitely when I got to really got to know him better in those last 10 years it sometimes did make me sad yeah. much sadder than I had been during my childhood that he hadn't been around more because he was also just really good fun Karen. Yeah. he was really really good fun <laughs> you know he just uh, he just had a really great sense of humour he was a laugh to be around so what did he die of? What was it? Was it? Oh my goodness! So he just went boom. So Are you joking? He, yep. Just all of a sudden, he oh had a heart my. attack. What? Yep. So completely no health problems before, particularly. Well, or? I think he had had. I mean, he was seventy-two, so I think he had. He was on statins. And, right. You know, yeah, but nothing like. But oh, nothing we're worried major. about him. Nope. Nope, and he'd been a really, really fit guy. Wow. So he'd, uh, I mean, he was always, he always uh, was running or doing something. He really loved his golf wow. and uh, his gardening when he had retired and he was really fit and healthy. He was also quite, uh, he was quite an imbiber. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, I, yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. And I think he had amazed his doctors over the years that he could really you know, pile yeah. it on as much as he did and, you know, still be as fit as he was. But no, he suddenly had a, a massive coronary. Wow. And, and so did you get a phone call out of nowhere? Like, how did you Yes, oh, yes. Uh, but but not, not that he had died. So he, um, I mean, he was lucky. He was in Guildford at the time with his wife, my mm. stepmom, and he had this massive heart attack. And he was taken to Guildford Hospital um, and he was in intensive care for about a week. So I got a phone call at about two o'clock in the morning from my sister who my stepmother had phoned uh, just saying this has happened Mm. and he's in intensive care. And I can't really, I really can't remember. I was trying to think on the tube coming over here because I knew that you know, you'd ask me about that, and it's funny, isn't it? It's just such a blur, isn't I've it? I've yeah. etch sketched the sequence of events and that particular thing, because you'd think that that would be a phone call that you really remember. Yeah, yeah. But actually, it has gone. I think, I think in the your brain m- often makes odd, a choice to either burn something completely, so you cannot let it go, yeah. or it's a blur. I remember the other day, I always talk about my dad's funeral, and the other day I was like, where did we go? 
oh, we went to the crematorium. Like, I literally had forgotten going to the crematorium. What, and I can't remember what happened there. And do you find that things then somehow... Um, you know, they slip out of your memory yeah. and then something else will pop back Sometimes in. Sometimes it comes back a bit like when... It's only because I do this show and I was like, I'm always talking about the funeral and I had to sort of question to myself, I was trying to remember the day because I was same as you. I was thinking, God, you think that day would be burned into my memory? It was very blurry. Bits of it are very clear. And then all I have is like a sense of like going into the building, but that's it. But I... I guess it was just so upsetting that my brain just went, nah. Yeah, I'm not having that in here. <laughs> we don't really need it. You don't. Sometimes you don't need, I guess you don't need the visual memory. What you have is the emotional memory of like, oh, that was horrible. So perhaps it's the same with the phone call. You remember the feeling of like, oh, yes, the phone but call, not I the have actual, to get there. But yeah. the rest of it, your brain probably went, well, that's not important what you're wearing, where you're standing and what they said. What's important is how it affected you at that moment. Yes. But people seem to go either way from my chats. Either it's like you can remember every single pinpoint detail or you're like, <sighs> yeah. I can't even tell you what. No, I where remember I such weird things about yeah. that week. Really, so really So you went weird in things. to see him. Was he conscious? Uh, so no, he wasn't. And he never, uh, he never regained full consciousness. Mm. But he had that kind of semi-consciousness where, <laughs> I mean, again, it was just quite funny. And I hope, you know, he's up in heaven looking down and he's probably fully plugged into the podcast. Although swearing at the fact that he's got to use technology to get to it. <laughs> yes, if I'm course. honest, Carrie, yeah, yeah, yeah. he won't be thrilled with that. <laughs> Uh, but I think he would laugh at the fact that he, it's really interesting. So, I mean, he, you know, he had a massive stroke, so his brain was really affected as as well as his, his mobility. So he was in the ICU, uh, but he could talk a bit and he oh, kind wow. of knew, he kind of knew who we all were. And we'd take it in turns just over the course of that week to sit with him, my stepmother, my sister and myself, uh, which was really lovely. But he, But these funny bits of his memory were coming back oh, to him. Wow. So he kept on thinking that I was a representative from Sun Alliance Insurance. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept on saying to me... Oh, my God, how weird. Yeah, I mean, literally... So he thought that... I think he thought that I'd come to see him or I was interviewing him. It was definitely that kind of slight office setup wow. where he was saying, you know, and uh, so I'm I'm working for Sun Alliance and you aren't, and, you know, he'd asked me kind of these funny questions about where I was and stuff. And I guess, I mean, the way that I rationalised it was actually it was an incredibly happy time in his life. Yeah, yeah. When he was, you know, young and he had just got married and he was doing well and he yeah, was in London yeah. and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there was obviously, it was... You know, he was being kind of funny and charming. Yeah. And some bit of his brain had pushed that forward. Strokes are incredible, aren't they? What they, yeah, what happens so, to the brain. So and what strange. bits come forward and bits don't, aren't there anymore. But yeah. how funny that... And I found it quite difficult at the time. Yeah, of course, at the time that is really... Yeah, and also, because oh. it's just that very weird thing where you don't know whether or not you should play along with it. Yeah. Because you kind of think, you know, what I'm dying to say is, Dad, yeah. you know, for fuck's sake, are you okay? Yeah, talk You're to going me. to live. I mean, I was heavily pregnant as well. Yes. This is worth saying. So how pregnant were you at so this I was, uh, Eight months. Oh, God. At the time. So, oh, my God. I know. So my son was due uh, <sighs> in, in that week between... Christmas and New Year, right. but actually came much later, okay. which I think often happens when yeah, a yeah. somewhat stressful incident happened during pregnancy. Yeah. He was just like, "No, I'm not coming out yeah, into this." I think it's might wait a bit. <laughs> I, so I think it's like just calm. Seems, 
vaguely all right here. It seems <laughs> terrible out there. Oh my so God. I was very pregnant. You know, so there were lots of things I kind of wanted to reassure Dad that I was all right and the baby was all right. And, it, you know, it was so... Was it your first pregnancy as It well, was, right? yeah. yeah. And it was so weird because, um, you know, the, the staff at the hospital, they were bloody wonderful. But also... You could just tell that they were a little bit worried, this extraordinarily heavily pregnant woman. Yes. You know, in a slightly yeah, stressful yeah, situation. Yeah. So everybody was there. But, you know, I, I, so I did play along with the Sun Alliance interview thing because <laughs> I just thought, well, you know, whatever, whatever makes you happy. I don't yeah. really give a toss. Uh, but it was very odd. It was very odd. It's really, I mean, I know they have that with patients with dementia as well, don't they? Of like, is it too painful to say, no, you're wrong. Your brain isn't working. I'm not from the sun. It's not like, like to break it can be like very distressing. Like sleepwalking. Yeah. Or so do you like, just guide them just, yeah, go, back okay. to bed and say, absolutely, yeah. you're seeing 17 <laughs> versions of Thierry Henry in your dreams. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't know why I went there. <laughs> but that must have been, oh, I just can't. To be eight months pregnant when you you are vulnerable, you are vulnerable because you've got this huge thing that you're carrying around and and you are full of hormones and then having to deal with the trauma of your dad being sick like that is such a it's such a lot to process. Yes, although I mean I'm not denying that actually mm. looking back on it. But yeah, maybe at the time it didn't. Yeah, dad's timing was shit. <laughs> I mean, you know, let's be honest. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, but bad at time. the time you don't do, and I think because it was my first, so I mm. genuinely had no idea what was coming. Yes, true. Yeah, which is a good position to be in. Yes, really. If you're if you're first yes. pregnant, switch yeah. off now. <laughs> please, <laughs> please do. Don't, don't find out. Don't yeah. find, you will find out. So you don't. So no, it wasn't. It wasn't great. But you see, I was intrigued to what you said that. You know, of course, it does happen to lots of people. Of I course get, yeah, it does. I get so many emails. I think you know an unusual amount of emails from people saying, "I've just had a baby and I'm grieving, and it's so hard because everybody's expecting me to be happy and I'm not." And you know, grief as grief by itself without pregnancy and, and birth is is fucking complicated and messy and you know layered. So I can't imagine what it's like to have to deal with a first baby and all of that hormones and difficulty and all the motion that that requires on top of that dealing with grief. And I had a friend actually that happened to and she said to me, I didn't know I was doing it, but I parked it. I just absolutely parked it. It's not similar, but it's connected to what happened to me because I was 15. I didn't have the language to deal with any of the grief. I just didn't have the words. So I, I parked it, but I didn't know I was parking it. But part of me just went, I just don't know how to deal with this. And then I just sort of carried on being a teenager. He was obviously, I wasn't fine. I was still upset, but it was like the bigness of it kind of, I just couldn't deal with. And then slowly as I got into my 20s, it started leaking. That's how it felt to me. Like it just kept leaking everywhere and appearing. And then by the time, yeah, 18, it took me 18 years. I was like, oh, I actually think I could look at this because... I think I have to look at it. Like, And so have you been able to, to kind of piece together an imagined timeline through your teenage years and 20s where you had dealt with the grief? Is it that easy to kind of, you know, pick apart? Yeah, I mean, it's always complicated, but I, what's odd is I could, if you'd spoken to me at 21, I would have said, oh, yeah, no, I'm great, I'm fine, I've dealt with it. If you spoke to me at 24, I'd have gone, oh, I thought I had, but now I have. And I think that's what grief does is you because it, it, it took me so long to understand. It wasn't until I did grief cast that I was like, oh, it changes. It just changes. And especially if you're young when you lose someone, you know, you're having to grieve for them 
as an 18 year old as a 25 year old like and you're a different person so your grief changes but I sort of was thinking about it and I was like well that's true of everybody mm. everybody is you know you're very different now to you were 15 years ago and that that means you have to re-grieve that that parent because they've not their you know they're not there when your baby is small they're not there when they go to school they're not like all of these things have to be dealt with so the grief that's really, it doesn't go away. It changes, you change, and you have to sort of meet it again, I yeah. think. So do you find that all of those big steps with babies mm. uh, are <coughs> hugely affected by your dad not yeah, being there? I try not to. <laughs> like, I get annoyed. You think, oh, God, this again. Because I've had it my <laughs> whole life. You know, I had it when I got my GCs, my A-levels. I went to uni when I got married. You know, there's all these things that I've had to go, oh, he's not here. And then you just get a child and it's like, oh, it's a new new person. Yeah, it's a new not here <laughs> yeah, scenario. Yeah, exactly. So I think it... I don't want to say it gets easier because it's, it's not that it gets easier. I think you... What I always think is you get... You, you recognise it more. So that's what I like is that it comes along especially after I had my first child, of like, oh, he's not here to see this. Like, you know, I didn't really... The wedding was just a day. Like, you know, it's okay. Like, it's a ceremony, isn't it? But, like, this is... This is a person. And then and, and you start thinking about how great they'd be, you know, all of that stuff. And I just think you get better at going, oh, this is just that loss again. And I yeah. have to re-meet it and have a conversation with it again, which is annoying because you you'd love to think oh I'm done <laughs> yes. that was lovely I dealt with it but you are always changing that's what I'm sort of saying very badly that you are always changing so of course the grief is always changing and the world is always changing the only thing that doesn't change is is them you know but yes they your relationship to them you know if they were still alive your relationship would be constantly evolving and might get worse might get better like you know like you said you suddenly get to know him as you're a bit older and you have to develop a better relationship so it continues to develop, but even without the, that person there, and I think that took me a long time to get my head around. So I was like, well, they're gone. How can I have anything to do with them? It's like, you can still have a relationship with their presence. And do you mention him? I do Has mention him, yeah. Place? It's hard at the moment because she's just a bit too young. But we do, because my husband has lost both his parents. Mm. So, yeah, we're quite the collection. Um, I know that's why I'm very protective of my mum. <laughs> like, don't, don't go up that ladder. <laughs> don't even think about it. Um, yeah, she, she gets really annoyed. She always wants to buy ladders and get up them. And um, I do mention it a bit because you want them to be aware of them. So I, I'm not afraid to say, you know, if there's a picture, I'll be like, oh, that's grandpa. And she goes, all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, or we have, you know, he'll be like, oh, that's... Um, there was a picture of of her my my mother-in-law and I was like oh that's daddy's mummy that's granny and she was like oh it's granny can we watch Octonauts like you know they don't but I want the conversation to be present I guess I think that's important to not be I don't want her to go oh my mum's never mentioned her dad so maybe I don't think I should If you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Lloyd. How have you worked it with your children, Like, Well, you see, I think I've really overcompensated. <laughs> I think I probably will overcompensate, yeah. So I definitely mentioned Dad mm. uh, way more than any other dead person in the world ever. <laughs> Where's your dad? <laughs> He's you my know. dad. Yeah. Uh, so I do mention him, and very deliberately, because I really feel that's the one thing that I can't, you know, that I think I would just always be really angry about that he mm. never got to meet them yeah because yeah. they're such lovely kids i really you know they're 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 infinitely nicer than yours will ever be carried <laughs> or anybody's in the whole wide world of course no of i course. mean i you know i love them to bits and i just really i feel really really angry and it's not sad or anything kind of grown up or thought through mm. i'm just absolutely fucking livid yeah. that they never got to meet him but i think that's such a valid so emotion. i mention him you know quite a lot and sometimes I, I do check myself, but I love telling them stories mm. about him. Absolutely love it. And it brings me enormous comfort to do it. And, you know, occasionally I can see their eyes glazing over as <laughs> we're into the 43rd minute of the story. Um, but I kind of think, well, actually, that's my prerogative. Yeah, I just, yeah. If I want to just wang on about him a little bit too much, there's because there's nothing else I can... Yeah. There's nothing else I can do. But I think that's the thing is... That's what's so important is to talk is to talk about it and to normalise it and to make that person still alive inverted commas by speaking about them because otherwise then they really are dead. Yes, and, and that I is get really, sad. really really annoyed if um, if people kind of get something about his life wrong. Oh yeah yeah that, yeah yeah. You yeah. know, it's just, 
are. Yeah. And and our family is a little complicated as many families are because mm. dad was married three times and right. my mum was married, has been married twice, mum's still alive. And dad and mum were their respective first marriages. So they, that was actually quite a long time ago. Yeah. So lots of other people have come on board since and different things have happened and stuff. And I do find myself wanting to be incredibly exact about his mm. life. Do you feel like you're keeper of the flames slightly? Well, isn't that interesting? Because I think we all do, actually. <laughs> I don't think there's... Uh, I think everybody thinks that, they, you know, everyone thinks that they are. And that's something that's not really talked about very much mm. as well, isn't it? That strange hierarchy mm. of grief and I think it's really complex in modern families with lots of different you know stepbrothers and sisters and children and half brothers and blended and this that and the other you know there's almost a kind of dilution of who is the the vanguard yeah yeah so uh, you know at times I've definitely kind of had a harumph about you know somebody else knowing something or you know seeing an old friend or something like that and I've, I've felt like a child again <laughs> just like no 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 my dad <laughs> but then that's I think that's so just so human because you know everyone always jokes oh when you go back to your parents you behave like a child again and it's like you will always be a child to that man like yes. you will, that's the relationship actually, will always be like that don't you really really miss that as a as a new mum I miss oh, yeah. being somebody else's <laughs> child yeah, yeah, because you just really, I really, really wanted I, a I dad miss, hug from I didn't someone. miss it, but I definitely felt like like I'd pass into a room I hadn't agreed to. Oh, <laughs> Like, bless. as in like, what? where's the room where I'm not in charge? Like, where's the room where I go, oh, can I don't, I can't do this and someone comes in yes. and now you're in the room where someone's looking at you going, and I thought, no, 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 I, no one warned me that door was one way and locked. And yes, like, it is. So that's how, I, yeah. But I think the dad hug thing's funny because he died when I was so young that I've never, I think I might have had to mentally lock that off a long time ago because it's so far away from me now, you know, 20 plus years that it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't allow myself to think about it like that because it's just, it's so far away. Yes. Like, yeah, and and also because he died when we were in mid peak teenage years, so him hugging me would have been like Ugh. disgusting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I go, poor man. I can't remember the last time he probably actually got a decent hug and a kiss off me without me being like, Ugh, get off me. Um, <laughs> it's funny, though, isn't it? Because actually. Hugging's very underrated. Oh, so underrated. It's really underrated. So underrated. And I milk every opportunity mm. to hug my children. Oh, God, yes. Oh, my God. Grab them God. tight till they say, get off. <laughs> yeah, they're already wearing, what is it, anti-climb paint. They've got anti-mum paint. Oh, get off! I know, my, yeah, she's two and a half and she's it's like, uh, get oh, off! And I'm but like, the parental hug is just here. so, it's so wonderful. Yeah. You know, we, we, you know, and and I do, I do miss that. Actually, I, I felt a huge huge bonding with my uh, stepmom over that because sometimes you know she just I think needed a hug mm. you know her and dad you know it was just the two of them by the time they married you know we Izzy and I my sister and I were uh, you know long gone left home and that's so difficult isn't it yeah. if you're just the one person left in a house because yeah, at least yeah. I did have a baby crawling all yeah. over me and you know and lots of other kind of attention. So, so how did you cope with that bit? That you know, do you know what? So I did. Uh, do you, I just did that that really old fashioned stoic? I'm just going to have to 
Get on with it. Ride this. I'm just going to have to And so when did he... This. He died in the November and then your son was born in the January. Yeah, so, so Dad died at the end of November and do you know what? I was surprised. It's probably a bit naive, actually. I was surprised that he died. I thought he oh, was really? going to survive and, you know, be very debilitated. Mm. I'd accepted that... But I thought he, I didn't, I wasn't expecting him to go. Wow, yeah. So I do remember that second phone call where my sister phoned, again, really in the middle of the night. And she had been down staying with my stepmom. They lived in Hampshire. And she phoned and I answered the phone and and she said, uh, can, you, can you pass the phone to Rick, my partner? So I just knew, yeah. really. And then, you know, she obviously told Rick and just explained exactly what had happened and it's good I mean that's quite comedic in a way as well because then of course he had to say goodbye and put the phone down and tell me what I already knew that she had just told him but we managed it Um, (laughs) so I didn't think that he was going to die so that was quite I think I'd I got used to one picture in my head and then it changed again. But then that adrenaline of grief is so extraordinary. And it's like the adrenaline of giving birth, mm, isn't it? So I similar. mean, it can just yeah. clear the decks mm. of any other emotions. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So It's very focusing. <laughs> it's, in, it's extraordinary, yeah. actually, isn't it? Mm. So I just, I remember doing that autopilot yeah. of, you know getting up the next day, heaving myself into my enormous, disgusting maternity pants <laughs> uh, and thinking, right, well, I'll just drive down to the hospital and, you know, sign some papers. Oh, my God. My dad's died. And, you know, you just do. And then you find yourself in that process, which is helpful, mm. actually, all of those forms. And, yeah, it you gives know, it some and structure, it, Yeah, it? And, and because you're with people who are just dealing with that all the time, mm. so they're nice and don't say inappropriate things and stuff but really weirdly and I'm not saying this to uh, you know milk sympathy at all but I am a freelance worker mm. so obviously I could uh, I knew that I, you know I was, I was trying to save up for my own maternity yeah, leave at work. Yeah. so I knew that I had to go back to work to finish doing oh, the shows shit. that I was meant to do because it just meant so much more yeah, of my yeah. maternity leave so I went back to work. I was uh, doing a broadcasting house on Radio 4 oh my God. at the time. And that was a mistake, mm, actually. And if yeah. I could just pass on the uh, possibly the only certainty that I have, you know, about grief is if you're managing somebody at work who's lost a parent mm. or a loved one then go on a course or read a book or do something just recognize yeah that what it does to someone difficulty there mm. i think we're appalling in the workplace well i think we take we take the wrong cues so if a woman who's eight months pregnant comes in and is like my dad's just died it's fine i'm doing these shows everyone goes well she says she's fine exactly so and they even though they said, know everybody's yeah. looking i don't think he is fine but everyone takes or just i don't think that's normal no and i just think okay. someone ought to say yeah that's not normal have your two weeks paycheck. Yeah. Don't worry about the Don't maternity about leave. It. You've been with the BBC a long time. Love will all cope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, that wasn't forthcoming. And actually, that was just because I re- I remember being on air. Actually, I don't know oh, if I've ever said God. this out loud before, but I remember being on air in one of those shows and just thinking, "What am I doing yeah, here? Yeah. I can't see the the writing on the paper in front of me." <laughs> Did you have that thing where you kind of zoom out of your own life and you're like above your... I've had that where you're like above yourself yes. thinking, 
what? I'm watching a film of what? this person thinking, get up yeah. and leave. Like, what are you doing? But I understand that autopilot so much. I went and did my GCSEs because it was just like... <gasps> but the option of not doing it seems so much worse of like... Because to not do it would be to admit he's dead. Something awful's happened. Yes. And I think some part of you is like, just keep walking and it is a survival thing yeah it is definitely totally isn't it yeah i'm just gonna i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do that i'm gonna gonna do that that. and you almost i think there's a sort of how much can i just keep doing before somebody before i collapse or somebody goes you need to sit down but it's like you're so fragile everything's so raw and broken and so i completely understand the need to just go well that's normal i know the route to that work i know where the t is like I don't know how I feel. I don't know what's happened. I don't know what the world means anymore. But sitting in front of, you know, the microphone doing my job, well, yeah. I, I do and know you just, that. And you join in that pretense yeah. where everyone else is just going, let's type really quickly and just pretend nothing's <laughs> happened. So you go, okay, I'll type faster. I'm going to yeah, pretend that nothing's yeah. happened. But actually, the, you know, crock of shit, yeah. I think, um, I think and it, is, I it think could have been more helpful. It's difficult because I think some workplaces are better, but some are still shit. And I think you're right, like it's shit everyone should be trained on you know what it means to be dealing with a bereaved person or someone who's grieving it should be talked about in schools like yeah everyone just does that like oh like the person says they're fine so it's fine you know yeah. and it, it i completely did you go back for two weeks so i went back for two weeks i did oh, two gosh. final shows <laughs> yes <laughs> um you're probably absolutely fine like it probably was completely fine it's just you feeling it you know yes i did well i mean people complained all the time <laughs> they complained they anyway so they just, yeah, yeah, yeah. just added to the list and then you know we had the funeral and then we had christmas again God. i cannot for the life of me remember what we did that christmas yeah. isn't that weird things just blur don't they so i know that i mean we i would have been with my sister because we live very close to each other in london and she always does fabulous christmases so i think i would have been around there but i don't i can't remember if mm. my mum came or my stepmom or both isn't that extraordinary mm. and there are no photographs because I was quite I was really really fat when I was <laughs> pregnant I think people were scared to actually take a photograph they didn't want to keep that image forever <laughs> and I didn't want it to be kept either yeah, yeah. so there are no photographs of that time it's either weird, it's it? odd yeah. really I think odd. sometimes as well it's like any kind of um capturing is admitting that it's happening Yes, and because you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that group thing at yeah, the church. Yeah. Would you? Everyone bunched together, <laughs> bunched together, all the Get family. The yeah, so, but it's, it would be quite helpful if there was. It almost would be helpful because then you could look back and go, "Oh, it happened," and you could see in your face yeah. how you felt God, as well. Yeah. There's no record. I have no record actually of that time. It's that's very so, yeah, odd. That's really weird. Isn't but it? then all of these pictures of you know me. And my, you know, in my very, very fat post-pregnancy state, still fat for a long time, <laughs> and my extremely large baby. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, which was just a whole. And then, how other was that thing. first few months then? Because obviously, I think the first few months of babyhood are insane. And I've talked about this before, but it reminded me so much of grief. Like that's what I found so weird. Oh, that's interesting. <clears throat> it was so similar. I was as emotional as raw. People didn't know what to say to me. And I felt as isolated and alone as I had done when I was grieving. And part of me thinks, oh, well, it's a place I'm, you know, I go back to because it's like, oh, it's a trauma I understand. So it might be me making that connection, according to my therapist. But um, <laughs> but also I think 
you know, you are very isolated as a new mum. You're trying to deal with these things and it seems like the rest of the world is like on a lovely carousel having a really fun time and you're at home with this thing screaming thinking, what the fuck have I done? And that's what it felt like when I was 15. Like it felt like the world was carrying on having a party and I was just at home. But with instead of the presence of a person, the absence of a person. Yeah. So I think they're, I think they're very similar. But I can't, you were having to deal with both those things exactly the same time. Like. Yeah, so, so I've got no idea. Yeah, you know, yeah. Which, and I mean, I do, I was really, really thrilled. I mean, I was very lucky. I didn't have any postnatal depression with Hecky. I think I did a bit with my mm. daughter actually yeah. a couple of years later. But with Hecky, I think the adrenaline was still there. And, you know, that first baby thing is such an enormous shock. I mean, I know this might sound selfish or weird, but I'll just put it out there anyway. I do remember at times in those early couple of weeks when it was very difficult just being a new mum, mm. actually feeling grateful to my dad because I knew that my mind was in such a whirl about him, mm. it almost helped to not be in a whirl about having a baby. Yeah, I and I remember that. thinking, yeah. you know, uh, kind of almost, go, you know, God bless you, mate, yeah. because it's all come at once and it's just so difficult to understand. But I'm kind of, you know, I'm surviving everything. So that's a good thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So I didn't have that horrible dip that I know so many first-time mums yeah. have when reality sets in and also where you just feel very bad at something that you yeah. thought you were going to feel it's good at. It's a bit easier. It's really... <laughs> yeah. like, oh, this is really hard. I've never understood those women who don't have that dip. Oh, anyway. They're lying. Um, um, but that's so interesting. I completely understand that because... Do you? Yeah, because grief, it, like I would say, like, it clears the decks. And after my dad died, you know, the reason I could walk in and do my GCSEs and carry on was because it was like, who fuck, who fucking cares? Like, who cares about anything, really? I've just discovered people die and what that means. And I, yeah, so bring on your biology, <laughs> yeah, mate. Bring on that maths exam, which everyone says <laughs> is going to fail. And I didn't because I think I became, and we've talked about this before, of like you sort of become a bit superhuman oh. because it's like nothing can touch you because the worst thing has happened. And I have, I've, we've talked again, different guests said, it's almost like there's a bit of a fire, what are you saying, this adrenaline. And I know for those, I'd say for about five years, I was... Oh, a bit untouchable because I was a teenager who didn't care what you thought of me. Like, I didn't care, which is so rare. You know, everyone was so, oh, what do they think and what's this? And I was like, I couldn't give a shit. I just couldn't give a shit because my dad's like, bigger shit is happening. And I think that's, so, I can completely understand, like with the, you know, new baby screaming, you can't sleep. You're like, yeah, but, yeah, but my, my dad's, dad's just died. died. So, <laughs> you know, it'll sleep, it'll feed, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah it really... Oh, that's really interesting. Because yeah. I always did feel a bit guilty about yeah. having had those thoughts. It's kind of like... Because, I mean, obviously I wasn't wishing him to be no, dead no. and I really wish that he hadn't died. But I do remember thinking exactly that. Yeah. Just like, well, you know, thank you. This yeah. is good. I put it in the mix. Yeah. And look, look what I'm making. It's like... Yeah, you said it's that survival thing of like either you, I think as a human you can be like this either destroys me like this either pins me to the ground and I can never stand again or I drag myself out of this and that strength allows me to keep on walking and it's really it's, I mean it's not you know it's not fun it's not easy it's so painful but there is a strength to that there yeah. is it does make everything else seem very minor and that's why, you know, when I was, it was half of me when teenagers would go, oh, you know, he, I like him and he doesn't like me. I was like, we're all going to die. Who cares? <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> and so I can understand the baby being like, so he cried. <laughs> but we're all here. You yes. know, we're all standing. Because it just makes everything so 
binary, I guess, doesn't it? It's like you're either dead or alive and that's basically all we need to worry yeah, about. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with all of that, all of that. I mean, I think as well, quite a lot of people uh, did, I know at the time, give me that kind of extra piercing look <laughs> to make sure yes. that everything was going actually okay. okay. Yeah. And I think... In a way, that's probably quite a... I mean, it's definitely a helpful thing because it could have gone really, really tits up. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so I was kind of grateful to that. But also that sometimes does make you stronger as well, doesn't it? When you see people scrutinising you... Yeah, concerned. Concerned, (laughs) then it's a little bit of the, well, I'll sit up extra straight, you know, and just make sure, you know, I'm kind of playing your game too. So I think... You know, I kind of skated by the skin of my teeth there. But I, the thing that I did find incredibly difficult, you know, and I actually just wish had been different, was I think it's really, really hard to make new friends when you're grieving. Yeah. And I think the thing that you really need as a new mum is new friends. Yeah. You need to meet people whose babies are the, exactly the same age exactly. as yours. Yeah. No point meeting. If you've got a three-month-old, you do not want to meet someone no. with a six-month-old. Irrelevant. Irrelevant to Irrelevant. me. Irrelevant. Absolutely irrelevant. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, that chance to, I do remember looking on really, really enviously of, you know, groups of new mums in, you know, soft play or parks or cafes or, you know, whatever it was, all, you know, kind of jollying along with each other. And I just, that was the bit that I just couldn't do. I couldn't sit in a room and just be, you know, happy and sharing and all of that. I was definitely locked in. Yeah, yeah, Definitely locked in something. And as it turns out, and these are one of the things that you never realise before you have a baby, I didn't live anywhere near any of my friends. Yes. You oh, know, my God. When you're in London. When you live in London, you think it's fine until you have a child, and then you're like, and then fuck, you're no one's like, here. My God, I'm yeah. two zones away from my best man. No one's well, how coming did around. I do that? I know. How did I do that? Rookie error. <laughs> Move near your friends. Yes. Yeah, I heard exactly the same. Did you? Yeah, it's in, I was just thinking about it. It's interesting of, like, I found it really hard to make new friends and and I I found it yeah like unbearably difficult, but I wasn't grieving. But in in a way, perhaps again, it's that thing of the way grief then rolls its head up and appears again. Of like I I did find the beginning really really difficult, and it did remind me of grieving, and I felt very alone and isolated, and it really took me back so badly. So then when there were these those those women those women who can all make friends, who are those women, all having a lovely time, and I felt. I almost felt like a sort of a clown, like I'd try and join in. <laughs> oh, oh, she does that. And you could yeah. see them being like, you're not, you're yeah. not, you're not in our so, game. So no, I had exactly the trying. same thing. <laughs> like, exactly the same thing. And I remember it was in the very early days of Mumsnet when I had oh, my wow, son. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it was such a new and daring thing. And you could, you know, you could go on a, a, a little chat thread or whatever, try and meet new mums in the area. So I thought, no, I must do this. Yeah, you know, I've yeah. been out of the house for a week. You know, I really must meet a new mum. So I contacted this uh, when we arranged to meet in the, in the local cafe. And I remember putting on makeup and a proper dress, <laughs> putting the baby in the buggy yeah. and going down and meeting this woman who just looked at me just like, what on earth have you come out? <laughs> but I just really lost that ability because yeah. I just had, my head was just too full of other stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it did make, yeah, it was that, that side of it really, really, really wasn't great. But I think, again, you know, just always always trying to be positive I was really really worried that I wouldn't bond with my son 
because I think by that stage, you know, a couple of months in, it had really hit me. Yeah, yeah. You know, that dad had gone. So I was very worried about that. And that didn't happen. And maybe just actually spending so much time just yeah. me and him. <laughs> it's me and you kid because the other mums aren't talking to me so exactly. that's what I used to think like well we're gonna have to get on because no one else is yes, talking to us got no choice so yep. let's you're just... in a hostage situation yeah. here <laughs> I'm afraid there's no friends for you it's just mummy yeah so we bonded we get oh, that's on good that's so good. you know there is that but yeah it's not an easy time for no. so for so many reasons and also i think lots lots of people who i met you know other mums and stuff in those early i just i just never told them i just yeah, never told them of course because what are they meant to say what's you know what do you i just remember thinking what what am i hoping to gain from telling people this i don't want you know i don't know them they're strangers so i don't want them to but hug what's so me what's so sad or... for you is that you might have met someone like me who would have gone oh yeah same i've yeah, been through totally. that and that's the thing i think we get into this oh well no one needs British to know thing. this it's do the, they just yeah. bury it bury yeah. it bury it bury it because it's difficult and we don't have this this you know we don't have a good template yeah and i became obsessed a little bit obsessed um how unlike me uh, <laughs> with, uh, with the other grieving processes in different cultures because um, they all seem to be better carried yeah. every single bloody one of them I know well there's lots of I think whenever you read about other things you're like oh, we should take a bit of that and a bit of that yeah what ones did you were you keen on well so I think the Irish wake oh the Irish do it so well everybody Hats comes off. round yeah. you know and you see you see the the person mm. dead you know so you properly it's in there there's it's a reason registered. there's been so many Irish comedians on the show like they're just like they've happy it's not like they've experienced death more they're just easier to talk about it because yeah. it's present in their lives and they they've seen dead bodies from from children it doesn't it's not a, a scary like oh my god imagine seeing someone dead like I think yeah. they do it much better than we and do and also just that the, it's the time that's that's the bit that um, that I would take from the Irish wake from the Jewish traditions and the Muslim yeah, traditions. Yeah. They all have an allotted period of time, which is so helpful. Yeah. Because then you go, okay, I've got my 40 days yeah. of grief. And so I'm allowed to go completely mad <laughs> and I wear black and everyone knows what's happened to me. Mm. And so for 40 days, I get the special grief sympathy and I work through all my shit and then I come out of the 40 days yeah. and I'm a different person it's so I imagine that would be so helpful but see I felt like that because I was like oh to have an allotted time yes please <laughs> and someone at a live event came up and um yeah she was Muslim and she was saying actually it's really hard because after the time everyone expects you to kind of stop talking about it because you've had it you've had your moment and she said that was the thing she found really hard. Like six months later, she was like, oh, actually, I'm still upset. And they were like, no, oh, you've done it. So I not know. even that works. And I hadn't thought of that because I was like, yeah, but you get this great lot of time. She was like, yeah, but it's so... And if you think about it as well, if you go into survival mode, you know, you might not... Time that they say, well, it's been your 40 days. You'll be like, well, I've only just started processing it, actually. Yes. No, that's true. So, yeah, we need a lot of, like a year. <laughs> A year allotted to be. But I do think all of those <clears throat> those signs of uh, uh, that you're grieving, we've completely lost those. Oh, well, that's why we do, we sell the badges, yeah, yeah. saying, like, please be kind, I'm grieving. Yeah. Because I just think, like, you know, my mum's the generation that had black armbands, and then as a child, I was like, oh, how strange. And now I'm like, yes, please, I desperately needed a black armband because I, 
like you said, as a, I was the same. I was like, I couldn't say to people, this had happened to me. I didn't know how to. And if you as a new mum had had some sign. Imagine. But I think that's good because then people like me who have no problem with it would have been able to go, oh, I'll talk to you about it. I tell you what, the TikTok group would have scattered <laughs> if I'd walked in in my black sheath and veil. Tumble tots would have been a, a little bit more dour that day. And this is Fee, who is... Grieving. <laughs> Anyone else grieving? <laughs> yes, having some troubles oh. with breastfeeding. <laughs> I well, you know, I would have been all You've for got that. Crack nipple. I She's would have been got like crack life. <laughs> I would have been over the moon to find you in a playgroup. Yes. I would be like, oh. oh, someone I could talk to. I wish I'd met you then. Yeah, but it's funny as well, isn't it? Um, how little you understand that grief is a universal feeling. Yes, yeah, yeah. So actually it doesn't really matter at what time somebody has no. lost their parent in their lives. You will find that kind of commonality. And actually I really didn't know very many people who had and That's I still don't. Yeah. So all of my closest friends, actually no, apart from one and she's had a, uh, she's lost nearly all of her family. Actually it's, it, it's extraordinary she's still standing. But Amongst my good friends, nearly all of them still have both their parents yeah. alive. I I find those people so weird. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. I'm in um, an improv group called Ostentatious and there's eight of us in this group and we do improvise Jane Austen. It's very fun. But uh, the moment I realised all of their parents were alive and all of them were together, that I was like, who are you? Like, where did we, how did this, how am I in this circle? Like, this is, and so in that world, I feel very strange. I'm like, oh, I'm the, you know, oh, that's happened to me. How strange. And that's why I, I do love the world of the grief cast and the griefs because then you meet, everybody's in your club. Yes. And you're like, oh, I don't feel weird over here because I had the same thing I grew up thinking oh, I was quite unusual what happened to me it's very strange and it wasn't till I did grief cards I was like oh, so these fucking people it happened to but because we don't talk about it yeah you, you know don't you, you don't get to them. meet yeah. them and I I interviewed Jack Rook who um another comedian and his dad died when he was 15 and he was the first person I'd spoken to that had had the same mirrored experience of cancer at 15 and you know that took 20 years to talk to someone and be like uh, yeah, me too. Oh my God, yeah, me too. And I couldn't believe how helpful it was yeah. to have that, to just have someone, you know, because there is that commonality, but obviously when someone hits your niche, it's like, oh yeah, God, you know how I felt. And as humans, we really need that. We really need to find that, those people who are, you know, in your tribe, who kind of get how you feel. And it is hard when your friends are still, you know, when parents are still going at bloody 90. <laughs> you think, well, I just find... Um... I mean, I just constantly, because they, they slightly nod to it sometimes in conversations. So they'll go, you know, I know I'm lucky, but... And you kind of go, no, you've, it's only taken you a second to say that. Mm. But actually, you really are. And you Fucking can't... Fucking lucky. You can't, you know, you can't labour the point. No. And stuff. But uh, I'm constantly... I mean, I'm quite old now, you know, I'm 50. And I'm constantly surprised by... I don't know, it keeps... It does keep you as a child if yeah. both your parents are still alive and there's yeah. no you know there's no as you know there's no prize yeah. for not being the child in, yeah, yeah. in the room at all but it is quite I do find it quite strange I do find it strange that there are just so many parents around <laughs> uh, did you and your partner did he lose his had he lost his parents before you no I was first met. and so then I'd lost my dad before we got together and then he lost his dad probably about yeah, when he was maybe 25 or something like that. But before you got together? Oh, no, we no, were together. No. We were together when his dad died. Okay. When I was all over that shit, I was like, got it. And his dad had cancer, and I was like, I know what to do. I'm here. 
do this, do this, do this. And then when his mum got sick, I was like, have not been briefed for this. <laughs> do not know how to handle this at all. This is like very upsetting. And yeah, it was. Re- I was. I was so shit. I was so shit because it just was like, oh, this is really, really sad. Like, mm. and yeah, losing both, obviously. And she died before we had our child as well. Yeah. So I think that's for him has always been really. And then, and then you're, I'm in a funny position of feeling very privileged that my mum's still here, and she and can didn't still see that coming. Yeah, yeah, and that she can be a grandparent, and that's you know when we met, he had both, and I had one. So I was like, oh, you don't know how lucky you are, you know. And in and, and that's interesting sometimes for you know for me to remember that you can think, oh, people don't know how lucky you are, and then you're standing there with the parents still standing. You think, actually, yes, I'm still the luckiest person in the world because she's still here. So and and she gets to be a grandparent, and that. Yeah, as you said earlier, is a very difficult moment when yeah. you know they don't get that because it is such a sort of it sort of feels like the prize for the end of all the hard work and the life and the raising of the children. Doesn't you get to be a grandparent, which is like fun and easy? And I mean, I know it's hard work. But you know what I mean? It's like the fun bit. Yes, no, definitely. People do seem to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, V, thank you so much for talking to oh, me. Oh, no, it's an absolute pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. And I'm really, really grateful to you because this is the first This is the first time I've ever properly talked wow. about losing dad, mm. you know, in, in my own way. Yeah. You know, we talk about him not being around, but I've never, ever sat down and had a conversation just about how I feel about losing him. So it's really, it's very kind of you. I do think this podcast, uh, I think it's just fantastic oh, thank I you. think it's a tiny little miraculous thing <laughs> and you do it very well oh thank you my mum always jokes my dad would be so pleased I'm still talking about him <laughs> that's what I was oh god well, but that is the legacy do you yeah. know what? and it needs to be, sometimes it needs to be in chat you know I know lots yeah. of people have got statues and portraits and all that kind of stuff but yeah. there's nothing like just shooting the breeze about somebody's life yeah and, and remembering them. and you know Bill sounds like a really oh. great guy yeah, he'd be raising a glass or two. Actually, <laughs> well, my dad would also, even be. though it's before midday, mm, would happily be joining. <laughs> with that. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think they're up? Yeah, there's up definitely. There a I chink. would describe my father as an imbiber of many substances. So yes, I think he would enjoy that. As anyway, well. thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you very much. You can follow Fee on Twitter at Fifi Glover. And you can find the Fortunately podcast in all the usual places. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast. And the show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios. The music is provided by the Glue Ensemble. And remember, you are not alone. And thank you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.